0: Amen. Acts chapter 28 verses 1 through 15. Now this morning, I feel like I've come off such a high. Now, for those of you that that don't know me uh, very well, I I would be classified as somebody, as far as like roles in the church, as a pastor, an evangelist, or somebody that will teach the Bible, but preach the gospel. And for about nine years, a little over, I think it was a little over nine years, uh, I I taught the Monday night study at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, which was bring your unsaved friends, and they're going to hear the gospel, and they're going to get saved. And then we started doing them at the improv, you know, once a month, back in May, we started that up where... you know, preaching the gospel. And, and it's something that is so amazing for the, the life of the church is when people come to know Jesus personally. There are even people here this morning that have given their life to the Lord You know, through evangelism and through the Monday night study. And they're part of our church now. But last night I had the opportunity to be at a good friend's church called Calvary Chapel of Moreno Valley um, out off the 60. And they did this event called It's Time. And for those of you that might listen to The Fish or Air One, there was a gal uh, named Mariah Peters that was playing uh, last night. And I had the opportunity to preach the gospel. And a room about this size was just packed in with, with all the chairs were out. And there was, there was hundreds, maybe like six, seven hundred people that were packed into this room, all standing, uh, a lot of them junior high, high school. And there was adults too that were in there. And the music was great. And then I got to get up and share the gospel with them. And it was so amazing what the Lord did. It was such a cool thing because when we gave the invitation for people to receive Jesus, there were junior high school students, there were high school students, there were adults, and then over here there was a woman who had a newborn baby who just happened to show up and she came forward, gave her life to the Lord. And then they had a translator over there for those that were hearing impaired doing sign language. And it was like one or two guys gave their life to the Lord that were deaf that night. And uh, there we saw, uh, I think it was like 40 plus 50 people gave their life to the Lord last night and started at all different ages and it was so amazing. It was so cool and the body of Christ is being built. The Lord works by His Spirit. And so I feel like this morning I woke up and I was just like, whoa, we need this. Like we need to be a church that reaches out and that shares the gospel with people because there's nothing greater, I think, than, than somebody coming to know uh, the Lord. It's like, a, it's like a boost in the arm, so to speak, for, for the church where, you know, I invite my mom and my mom gets saved and I invite, and then she invites dad and then dad gets saved and then I invite my, invite my two brothers and they get saved and then I, br- I mean, invite my brother my, my my friends and my neighbors and my classmates and my coworkers. and all of a sudden like the Christians are on fire for the Lord because they have a part in bringing people to know Jesus and so please please know like our heart yes is to teach the Bible to be absolutely true to God's word and to not veer off that course but then also to couple that with the preaching of the gospel and that for us as the body of Christ to be proactive inviting people and inviting people to church and sharing the gospel with them. Because I'm telling you, all of us here, we have a great team of people. We have a great group of people. To be a year and a half old and to have the size of group of people that we have is phenomenal. And so now all of us pick one person and say, All right, I'm going to start praying for that person. i want to invite that person. I'm going to speak to that person. I'm going to love on that person. And then you're going to start to see just the work of God compound, compound, compound. So please be praying for those friends and family members and those co-workers and those neighbors and those people that you know in your life that you would just say, man, there's no way around it. They just need Jesus. So be faithful to that. Don't grow weary in doing good and praying for them. And let's also keep in prayer, you know, not only our church, but what the Lord wants to do with Monday nights and how the Lord's going to reach people with the gospel. So we need favor. We need an open door and we need the Lord to provide and we know that if he calls us where he guides he provides and we just want to be in the center of his perfect will because who here this morning knows somebody that doesn't know Jesus wow like all of us do I do myself included so let's be praying for them And let's do the work of an evangelist and preaching the gospel and inviting them uh, to come to church. And let's see a lot of people come to know the Lord. Because, man, I want to see people come to know Jesus. I I have a heart for that. I have a desire for that. And I know you do too. So let's pray about that and be faithful in that. So, without any further ado, Before Kings, part 6. This is our second to last study in the book of Acts, beginning in verse 1, Acts chapter 28. It says, Now, when they had escaped... They then found out that the island was called Malta. Now, for those of you that have come in, you have no idea about the backstory. Paul was shipwrecked and they made it safely to this island called Malta. In verse 1, I like this word escape. If you just would pay particular attention to that. Paul and the crew escaped from the dangers of the sea. And when I think of that word escape, I can't think of how throughout biblical history, God would give a way of escape to the people that were following Him. The people that were following Him somehow would have a way out. They would have an exit. I mean, I think about uh, the, the people of Israel in Egypt. How the plagues came and the angel of death flew over the land. And how the Lord gave them a way of having death pass over them. How the Lord would give a way of escape and parting the sea and how we can find ourselves even in dangerous, trying situations and how the Lord will always give us an out. In 1st Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13, it says, Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it now that word temptation that we saw there a couple times in verse 13 of 1st Corinthians 10 in the greek it's a word pyrosmas which means a trial or a proving A lot of times when you think of temptation, you think of like, am I tempted to sin? Which it it can be translated accurately as that as well. You know, a temptation to sin, to do something wrong. But it also can mean a trial, or a proving, or a testing. Something that you're going through that's going to refine you, and it's going to stretch you, and it's going to push you. Last week we looked at the importance of the man or woman of God, remember this, maintaining their composure and their faith in God in the midst of the storm. And we thought, man, how it lifts the spirit when there is somebody that is maintaining their composure and their faith in the Lord. When when there's that one person that's not going, we're all going to die! You know, or every, every, this is terrible! You know, what God has abandoned us! You know, or whatever. That, there's a person that's there saying, hey, God's faithful. Hold it together, man. Snap out of it, you know. Come on. God's faithful. He always takes care of us. Remember what Paul told the crew of the ship back in Acts 27, verse 25. He said, Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. And what did God tell him via his angel? It was in verse 24, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. That testing, that trying, that proving was the storm that Paul and his companions were all in aboard that ship. Now, there wasn't just one person on that boat going through the storm. When it says there's no trial or temptation that has overtaken you except that which is common to man, that's exactly what it means. It means you're not alone in the way that you feel. And you're not alone in this type of situation. Paul was not alone in the boat. We know from what the Bible says there were 276 people in that boat. And we shall not be afraid. Because we know that God keeps His promises and will give us the grace we need to weather any storm. But not only that, He will give us a way of escape. Way of escape. They could have been dashed on the rocks, they could have been drowned in the sea, but yet it says in verse 1 of Acts 28, now when they had escaped, God got them through the storm and allowed them a way of escape and they found out that the island was called Malta. Malta, interestingly enough, means refuge. Refuge. So by not fearing, but trusting in God's promises and resting in His grace and maintaining their composure and faith in God, God provided them a refuge, a way of escape and a place of safety. I love that. I love that. Because going through the midst of the storm, remember, they had given up all hope of survival. They were getting, as I said, beat like a drum by this storm. The, the, the clouds were covering the stars. They had, their, they had no bearing. They, they couldn't see the constellations to determine where is north and south. They were lost at sea. And yet the Lord gets them through this storm. Paul says, an angel of the Lord appeared to me. and He, he said, God promised you get to Rome and you're going to get to Rome. You're going to be there. And he said, take heart, be encouraged. And the Lord gave them a way of escape and a place of refuge was provided. And it says in verse 2, And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Now natives there in some translations I think even in the old King James uh, version of the Bible it it translates that word natives as barbarous people Uh, barbarous people now in the culture anybody that didn't speak Greek uh, by the Greeks was considered to be, they would call them literally, uh, his, history tells us, a barbar. Uh, like say for me, for instance, you know, speaking English, you know, they, they would think that that I, I was just muddling off these this random, you know, these the, the random types of words and all of these things. And so I'd be considered a barbar, where we eventually would get our, our English word barbarian. And when it says barbarous people, that's not really the way that we would use that word today. You barbar. Barbarian? How could you? Uh, Not at all. It just meant that they were referred to people as didn't speak Greek and anybody that didn't speak Greek by the Greeks was was, uh, referred to as a barbarian or a barbar, this barbarous people. However, uh, these natives uh, on this island of Malta, which for you geography uh, buffs uh, buffs was just south of of Sicily. Uh, It was just south of Sicily and they weren't barbarous as we would think of Uh, That word again being used today. But Luke says that they were unusually kind. He says, These natives showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Remember, this was the winter time. It was the wrong time to be traveling on the sea. So, Paul and his companions are shipwrecked after getting beat on by that storm for over two weeks straight. We know there was 14 days that they were out there and they finally land up on this island where the natives take care of them. I think that's much better than the, late, than the, than the natives cooking them uh, for dinner. Uh, but verse 3, it says, When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, and I might add dot, 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 I'd have to say I like Paul's style. What a tremendous leader he was. Seriously. Uh, shipwrecked, he encourages these guys, lands up on the sea. Uh, what an amazing place of influence Paul has in, 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 in his circle of, of, of acquaintances. Paul was one that led by example and was not just, "Hey, do as I say." Paul was given great favor by the Lord with you remember that that Roman centurion, Julius who showed him kindness. He was in conversations with the captains of the ship and the leaders there uh, on that ship determining where they should harbor and if they should leave or if they should stay. He addresses all the members on board that ship, all 275, and he encourages them, and then after swimming ashore, gets to the shore and starts gathering sticks to make a fire. This is the kind of leaders that we like to see, ones that lead by example. In verse 3, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now, have you ever been in a situation, a bad situation, where things just kept getting worse and worse and worse, where you just couldn't catch a break? You know, it's almost comical. You're like, yeah, what What else is going to happen now? Because it just kept happening. Bad thing upon bad thing upon bad thing. Have you ever been in a situation where it just was so repetitively bad that you just said to yourself out loud, you got to be kidding me. Are you serious right now? I cannot believe this. And it was almost like do, 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 And you're at that point where like, this is unbelievable. Well, if that sounds familiar to you, and then you'll know exactly what the potential for a blow up or a meltdown would have been at this point. I'm stuck on this ship with a bunch of dumkos heading in the wrong direction. They don't listen to me because I say, hey guys, this is not going to be a good idea. There's going to be a bad storm. There's going to be much loss to the ship. We get shipwrecked. I finally make it to a shore, to the shore. I throw some fire to get warmed up because it's raining and freezing outside and a snake bites me in the hand. I mean, you're reading this. You got to... I mean, just Paul is a normal person just like you and me. you would be like, are you kidding me? I don't die in the ocean and then I make it safely to land and a dangerous poisonous viper bites me in the hand so when the natives saw the creature hanging from Paul's hand verse 4 they said to one another no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea yet justice does not allow to live you can see how the natives would think that about Paul Man, this guy must have done something very, very bad if he escapes that terrible shipwreck only to get to shore and get bitten by a deadly snake. Was this some random act? Or was there some purpose in it? Well, what happens next is amazing. Verse 5, he says, Paul shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. I, I can't imagine what it would be like to get bit by a viper in the hand. Depending on the length of the fangs, it could have given him all the way through, pierced his hand. It could have, you know, whatever it might have been. I remember when I was a kid, I was probably, I was probably 9 or 10, maybe 11. I forget at this point. uh, Maybe, maybe 12. Uh, my little brother I have two little brothers and when we were kids we used to love catching lizards I don't know if you guys ever did that or still do it I do that with my son now and I remember we were uh, living in San Juan Capistrano and there was some trash cans on the side of some dirt and uh, we saw this lizard but we thought it was a snake uh, because it was crawling like serpentine you know kind of like this but come to find out it was an alligator lizard and uh, when my brother Torin went to grab it, he grabbed it, and it immediately flipped, and it bit onto his finger. And you know when you're like a little kid, like 12, 10, and 8, my littlest brother, and we're all there, this this alligator lizard that was probably about, you know, like a foot long, 12 inches or so, bites onto your finger. You can just picture in your mind a 10-year-old kid going, Aah! Ah, ah, And this thing's like flying, you know, everywhere it goes, you know, <laughs> and it bit on his finger and, uh, and he finally threw it off, you know, and it, and it slithered away real quick. I just can't help but think when Paul just drops these, you know, sticks and he probably gathered up with a snake inside of it and dropped it in the fire and then it bites him in his hand. It doesn't say in the Bible that he's like, ah, ah you know, and all this kind of stuff. It says he just shook it off. Into the fire and suffered no harm. This poisonous viper. And most people don't like snakes. Some people do, and they're okay. They're great pets, you know, as long as they don't bite you or swallow you or strangle you. Um, this viper latches on to, to Paul's hand and he just shakes it off. Now, snakes have always been a picture of evil in the Bible. From Satan in the Garden of Eden to the fiery vipers that were attacking the people of Israel with Moses, and you remember Moses bronzed one, put it up on a on a stake, and whoever looked upon that snake that was on that pole would be uh, healed of of, of, the, of their bite. And I believe even here it's evil as well, because the Lord had called Paul to go to Rome and has promised him, saying that you will testify of Jesus there. On Thursday night, we. Uh, we finished, for, for those of you that are in house groups, you know this already, but on Thursday night, we finished the book of Philippians um, uh, at house groups. So we, we, we do the video conferencing and we do all that, and, and last Thursday, we finished the book of Philippians. And it was so cool because that was our first book to finish uh, for uh, house groups. But Paul wrote in his letter to the Philippians while he was imprisoned in Rome. So it was really cool how it worked out that we would be studying on Sunday mornings, Paul on his way to Rome, but on Thursday nights in house groups, he was already in Rome, riding from Roman custody to the church in Philippi. And what was fascinating about his letter to to the Philippians was found in chapter 4 where he closes with this. Listen to this. In Philippians 4, verses 21 through 23. So Paul's on his way to Rome. God's calling him. He knows he's going to go there. We believe that this, this and obviously it's conjecture. It's my opinion. Everyone's entitled to have, have one. But that this was something that was meant to hinder Paul from doing what God had called him to do. But Philippians 4, 21 through 23, Paul writes and says, as he's in Rome, this morning in Acts, he's not yet there. He says, greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you, and all the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now when I read that, it just brings a smile to my face. When he says, especially those of Caesar's household. In my mind's eye, I could see Paul if he was telling these people in person, Remember, he was on his way to Rome to testify of Jesus, even as he had testified of Jesus in Jerusalem. And I I could just see Paul kind of look like this. And the brethren greet you, and especially those of Caesar's household, they greet you too. What a cool thing. Caesar's household. The inner circle. The house of Caesar. The most powerful man in the known world. Satan would seek to stop Paul doing his work in Rome before he even got there. So we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, cannot be fearful. Even though we might have every right to be fearful, we cannot be fearful. We need to trust in the promises of God. We need to trust in the promises of God and quite frankly... Myself included. We in the church need to roll with the punches and bites from Satan. And shake things off. Too often we allow things to get the better of us and they should not. God promised. He's faithful. Move on. Because when we're shaking things off, we'll start shaking things up. And that's what we want to see happen. We want to shake things up with the gospel. With who Jesus is. And when we have the gospel of Jesus to bring to the city, we know that when Jesus enters into a city, it shakes even as it did in Jerusalem as Jesus made his triumphal entry. In Matthew 21 verse 10 from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, which I really like this translation, he says, When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was shaken saying, Who is this? Shake it off. Shake it off. Back years ago, they were like, shake it like a Polaroid picture. That's not what we're talking about. But it's like, shake this off. Satan comes. He attacks. He latches on. He tries to pull you down. He tries to distract you. He tries to stop you before you even start. Shake it off. Shake it off. The gospel would be preached in Rome, and it would be preached on this little island of Malta. The pit stop that Paul probably would have never planned on making. In verse 6, it says, However, the natives were expecting that Paul would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time, you can just picture the natives just like, wait for it. It was native to their island, that snake. They knew about it. Poisonous viper. Hey, give them five minutes. This is the best part when he falls down. You know, like, come on. They watched him for a long time and they saw no harm, verse 6, come to him. They changed their minds and said that he was a god. Man, how fickle the crowd. First was like, murderer, murderer. Man, he escaped the sea, but the, the, the gods won't allow him to live because what are the chances of you escaping the shipwreck and making it to shore safely and then getting bitten by a poisonous snake? How fickle the crowd, but how true God's word. True God's word. The crowd's fickle. Sounds a lot like athletics. You know, you're hitting the home runs, man. They cheer you. The moment you go into a slump, you're in a batting slump. Boo! Anybody that goes to the Angel Dodgers game, you know all about that. Somebody that goes into, into, into some kind of funk, you know, and they can't, you know, they can't hit, hit anything. And they boo them. But they were just cheering him. And now they, boom, how fickle the crowd. Oh, he's a murderer? Now he's a God. But how true God's word is. In Mark 16, verse 18, listen to this and you will be blown away by how specific this is. Mark 16, verse 18, it says, speaking of the followers of Jesus, Jesus says, they will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. Whoa! You're looking at that. The the ones, the the disciples, the followers of Jesus, Jesus is saying to his disciples, this is what will happen. I don't don't read anything else in the New Testament about a snake biting anybody. And this is the only passage in the scripture where where Jesus says this type of thing. Interesting. Interesting. In verse 7, in that region it says there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, or in the Greek it would be Paplios, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. So Paul goes from, you know, being on that show Lost and making a fire on the beach to now being invited uh, to one of the leading citizens on that island's home where he goes from freezing in the rain and in the cold trying to make a fire on the beach to now in somebody's nice house hosted by a leading citizen of the island. That's quite an upgrade. In Proverbs 16, verse 9, it says, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord determines his steps. Because in verse 8 it says, And it happened, just so happened, that the father of Publius lay sick, of a fever and dysentery, and Paul went into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him and healed him. so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed so it just so happens that the leading citizen invites Paul to his house how out of the two hundred and seventy six shipwrecked refugees is Paul you know uniquely <laughs> invited to to, to that To that place, I I have no idea other than it's the Lord. The Lord is going before, preparing his way. And then it just so happens that this man's dad is sick. He has a bad case of Montezuma's revenge and he's not doing very well. He's very, very ill. And the Lord uses Paul to heal this man. And again, Mark 16 verse 18. They will be able to handle snakes with safety and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. And now the whole island of Malta is bringing people that are sick and that are in need to Paul. Paul. Man, unbelievable. So often we think that, you know, these certain pit stops in our life are such a waste of time or what was the reason for me to stop here to go through this or to do that? Why would, I be, why would God allow me to be shipwrecked? Why would God allow me to be in the middle of the storm? Man, don't we ask those questions? Don't we feel that way? The whole island starts coming to Paul to be healed and the Lord uses Paul to preach the gospel to these that are on the island of Malta. And it says in verse 10 that they also honored us in many ways. Remember Luke's writing this. he is He's documenting uh, Paul's journeys. He's in the book of Acts. Says, they also honored us in many ways and when we departed they provided such things as were necessary. So weathering the storm, God provides a way of escape, protects you in his refuge, and uses you in ways that you never thought were possible. Ways that you would have never planned. Things that you thought you would never do, or you didn't even comprehend that God would use you in that way. And then uses the place that you have just been to get you loaded up and ready for the rest of your journey. We need to remember that you might feel lost in a storm. You might be questioning the reasoning for the particular place that you're in. But don't ever forget that regardless of what the the situation may be, how bad it may seem, how random it might appear, that God is still in charge of your itinerary. He is the one that's going to get you on your journey safely from point A to point B because he is true to his word. And if he promises something, he is going to be good on that promise. He is going to fulfill what he said he was going to do. I think this is something for us to take heart because we land up in so many different places and we wonder how did we get here? Or why am I doing this? Or who are these people? I never would have thought I would be talking to those people or being in this situation. We need to understand. The Lord says, I'll get you from point A to point B in the interim where the storms may hit, where, the, where, where we're crying out to God or maybe we're on a boat that is because of somebody else's poor choice. But how do we deal with those things? How is God's grace sufficient for us and how will He use that for our good? because we love him and we're called according to his purpose, is the miracle that God only can do. It's amazing. So, Paul escapes the storm safely. He finds refuge. He's used by the Lord on this little island south of Sicily. And he gets loaded up and prepared for the rest of his journey. And how often can we look back in our lives and say, that little thing that happened back then, you know, back in 2009 when this happened, that helped me be ready for what's happening this week. You know, back in that little random thing that I thought, wow, what was the reason for that? I've seen it come full circle and now I see how God used that to help me be prepared for what he's going to use me in the future. And says in verse 11, as we finish up, it says, After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship. This is another ship heading from Egypt to Rome, bringing wheat and other products, whose figurehead was the twin brothers, whom we know as Castor and Pollux, which had winter at the island. In verse 12, And landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, we circled around and reached Rigon. Um, or a Regium, if you want to say it in English. And after one day, the south wind blew, and the next ge- day we came to Pudalai or Putialoi, uh, which was a major harbor of the Roman Armada, their navy. So what a what a like crazy uh, view that must have been for Paul as he comes sailing in, and you just see the vast naval army of Rome. In verse fourteen, it says, "Where we found brethren and invited to stay, and were invited to stay with them seven days." So we went toward Rome. Wow, it's getting there. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as the Appii Forum and three inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. And this forum was 43 miles away from Rome. He was in Italy, 43 miles away from Rome. And as The Lord told Paul in Acts 23, verse 11. The Lord stood by Paul and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. And next week, we will conclude our study with the book of Acts with before Kings, part 7.